Kia ora. Welcome to SpecFic NZ Podcast, where we bring you the authors that aren't afraid to ask what if. I'm Matt Danaher, and I mostly write unpublished short stories. I'm Kira Carpenter. I'm a Dunedin fantasy author. My debut novel, The Kingfisher's Debt, has come, just come out recently. And I'm Nick Switika, and I have nine novels that are indie published at the moment. Our guest tonight is Daniel Stride. Daniel, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, I'm. Uh, I live in Dunedin. I've been. I've been right. Uh, I've been writing on and off for for some years. I have a back. I have a. I have a background in law and hanging and basically, you know, doing doing lots and lots of university study over the years. Um, I'm. I'm. I've. I've now been admitted to the bar, so that's exciting. Um, wow. I have a hobby of writing. I have. I have one novel published. It's a dark steampunk flavored piece called Wise Fool. P-H-U-U-L. It came out in November 2016 with a small British publisher called Inspired Quilt. Since then, I've been concentrating largely on short stories, um, including uh, one of my short stories came out in the Te Karehu Ahita anthology. Yes, and I um, very much enjoyed your short story in um, Ahika. Uh, the extract from the diary of Peter McKenzie, I, I really enjoyed it. It was definitely um, one of my favourites. I loved uh, your characterisation. Your stories have such voice. And at the same time, there's, there's such economy, like nothing is wasted. And you and I were um, talking about how one of the um, benefits of writing short fiction is theoretically to draw people's attention to your longer fiction. Um, so have you found that that has actually helped by being in the um, Specific New Zealand anthology, has that helped readers um, connect to your longer work, Wise Fool? Um, I, I'm, I'm honestly not sure, to be honest. Mm. Um, basically, mo most of, most of the people who have actually talked to me about having read my short fiction have all read Wise Fool first. Right. So, so essentially, you know, for, for, for them, for them, they see they see me as building on it rather than a Rather than as luring people in, but as I said, it's uh, I'm honestly not sure. It's, you know, trying to get my name out there was sort of you know was a big part of it. Um, yeah. And also, also the nice thing about short fiction is that it provides so much room for experimentation. Namely, that if you if you make a mistake with a short story, it honestly doesn't matter because you've only wasted a week. You know, <laughs> making a mistake with a novel, on the other hand. You know, is a much more serious business. So essentially, it's all. You know, I kind of went things the wrong way around by starting with the novel. Um, it's just right. now, now, now that I've you know, now that you know, I'm a best. You know, I've I, I've used my short stories to make myself a better writer. So hopefully, when I finally get around to finish it, to you know, to continuing to work on um, my sequel novel, Old Fool, T H U U L, um, it will hopefully be it will hopefully address some of the weaknesses of the first one. Yeah. So essentially, you've used it um, to improve your craft, yes. but not necessarily um, promote Wiseful as um, might have been hopeful. Mm -hmm. um, so, in regards to if um, Specific um, did another anthology, uh, is it personally something you'd do different? 
if you had that opportunity um, again? Ah, uh, now that's an interesting one. You see, I'd actually written the extract, an extract from the diary of Peter McKenzie, long before I realised that this anthology was a thing. So basically, right. I, I was sending it off to you know electronic mag, you know e-magazines e overseas, um, and you know and not really getting anywhere. Though it was actually quite interesting because it was one of those mag, it was one of those stories that you send off, and while I was getting rejected. I was getting a lot of very nice rejection. Basically, they were saying, we really enjoyed your story, but it wasn't quite for us. Um, right. So, and so when I, when I discovered I discovered that while Six 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 New Zealand was doing an anthology, I basically left at the chance. Mm. I figured, oh, I've already got an appropriate story. Yeah, that, that's um, a brilliant. It's a case of um, seizing those opportunities, isn't it? Yes, yes. In terms <laughs> of um, six... Um, so, so in terms of the people putting the anthology together, um, yeah. is there anything that you would recommend that they did differently? No, no, I said I, I was I, I was I was delighted with the way everything turned out. Mm -hmm. said, while I had previously appeared some of my other stuff had appeared in electronic magazines and what have you, this was the first proper anthology, you know, physical anthology I'd ever I'd ever appeared in. And as right. such, you know, I, I basically I, I basically um yeah, you know, this this was another little feather in the cap. So yeah, I'm, I'm delighted yeah. with the way it turned out. Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. And I'm just wondering, um, being part of the anthology, although we sort of have an idea about how it may help us, has there been any unexpected benefits being part of the anthology? Um, opened any doors for you that you weren't expecting, or, or just um, the fact that you could evaluate and look back and see, right, this is really helpful for improving the craft. Yeah, Even yeah. It's really a promotional tool. Well, it, well, I mean, in, in terms of raw promotion, as I said, I made a point of, uh, you know, the, the the Dunedin Public Library, for instance, now has a copy yes. of it. And yeah. so, as I said, you know, you know, if you know, you know, as I said, you know, it's 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 an it's an extra thing that people can check check out of what I've been doing. Um, yes. But uh, but yeah, so as I said, you know, it's uh, you know, as you know, as as sort of a way of, you know, it, it was also, I thought, a brilliant way of connecting with other New Zealand secular fiction writers. Yeah. Because we're not exact, you know, you know, when you, when people think of New Zealand literature, they don't really think of fantasy. You know, no, no. You know, so it was able to tell the world that we actually exist. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's brilliant. I really hope that they will um, do another one. Oh, so do I. Excellent. Right, next, did you have some questions for Dan? Yes, I did. Um, so I noticed that you have a page on TV tropes for wise fools, and I yes. must say I'm super jealous. Was there any secret on getting that page, or did somebody else order that for you? No, it's actually very, very simple. You, you, you sign up as a TV tropes member and write your own. They do allow you, <laughs> they explicitly allow you to actually write your own entry. That's brilliant. Um, um, obviously, you know, you, you, obviously you have to be kind of not not getting too self-promotional about it. But yes. um, but so you, you you know you kind of have to be you know care, careful about the way you do it. But yeah, as I said, you know, the, the secret is basically just signing up and doing it yourself. Um, but you know, I said you know you know I I haven't quite gotten you know I, I've been reading TV tropes on and off for years, so I was, familiar, I was you know I'm familiar with the basic layout of it. I haven't got I still I, I'm yeah. A funny thing is, I have actually been. Someone did get in contact with me to say that they found Wise Fool through TV Tropes. 
Oh wow! Which was really quite a nice. You know, it was it was actually quite nice. And actually, ended up writing writing an Amazon review. Um, so you know, <laughs> which was you know, wow! I've got a reviewer based based off TV tropes. Yeah, that that was one of the reasons why I was so jealous. So, um, uh, one of the other questions that I wanted to ask was, what is your secret to marketing your book when your book doesn't actually fit into just one genre? Well, and that's and that's a very good question. I mean, I basically what I the way I've been doing it is to say, well, it's fantasy. You know, it's got necromancy in it, and yep. you know, by definition, it's fantasy. However, but 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 you know, that, that's basically what I list it as. However. It also, you know, like things like the steampunk element or what have you, it enables me to basically, you know, it, you know I, I, I did, I, I, gave, I, I sent a review copy to the Steampunk Society, for instance. You know, mm. these sort of extra little sort of um, genre mm. plot lines. And I, it, it, it basically, it, it enables me to sort of, um, to, try, to try and sort of, you know, to, to, to lure, lure people in with, you know, with those particular things that might interest them. As an example, for instance, um, I also spent a bit of time on um, on some of the subreddits for fantasy, and it actually it is surprisingly common for people to request fantasy that has necromancers in it. And I'm oh. yeah, you know, and I'm basically saying, well, disclaimer: I am the author, so I take what I say with a grain of salt. Towards <laughs> wise fool, I don't know if it's successful or not, but as I said, you know, I'm actually honestly surprised at how often people actually ask for for for, for fantasy fiction that involves necromancers. So you haven't had anybody that kind of got all upset because you had something dark in your fantasy stories or something that they didn't expect. Well, it's it's actually funny because um, people people have commented that despite the fact that obviously it involves an entire civilization revolving around um, an undead labor force, as they note, I really don't dwell on I don't I, I don't I don't dwell on the gore side of things very much. You know, I kind of leave it there in the background, which I think that pe- pe- people are, people are quite appreciative that I haven't rubbed their faces in the in the, the militias. You know, they're just there. It's very useful. Now, let's see if I can get this uh, pronunciation right because I'm terrible with pronunciation. Right. right. Okay. So, has the Society of Creative Anachronisms helped you with some of the practical elements of your world building? Um. Good question, because the thing about the society, the SDA, or Society of Creative Anachronism, which I've been a member of since 2006, it obviously focuses very much on medieval Europe. Now, mm-hmm. most of my own writing doesn't really deal very much with medieval Europe, because I honestly think medieval European fantasy has been largely done to death. I think we need to take a oh, break yeah. and you know, explore other areas. Um, so... In that, so given that there's a discrepancy between between what I between what I've been between my hobby and what I've been writing, not particularly much. The one exception to that, because um, there is a sword fight scene in uh, there is a sword fight scene or, with, or, with rapiers in um, in Wise Fall, and that and that is basically off my experience with you know I I, I, I don't do rapier, but I but I've hung around enough rapier people to get a, to get a basic gist of how these things actually operate. So yeah, in that respect, I was trying to write a realistic radio fight. Yeah, there's a little bit too much, um, too many flourishes in people's writing when they go get to the fight scenes that you kind of shake your head at it. So it's good to have oh, a little bit. Yeah, realistic. you also want yeah, but too many flourishes. And the other, the other danger of the other the, the danger with something like that is also getting too technical. Um, yes. Yeah, th- throwing technical terms at the you know unless your protagonist is a sword fighting expert, which tells the fault is not, 
he's librarian. Um, he, you know, he 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 doesn't know the technical terms, so why would he use them? Yeah, you know, he's just terrified. <laughs> yeah, so that's all the questions from me. Yeah, okay. so over to you, Matt. Oh, uh, before I come to my uh, questions, I've got a couple of follow-up questions from Matt actually. So, um, yes. and it, it could be as much a question to Nick as it is to to Daniel. Um, so maybe it's questions to both of you. But um, <laughs> TV tropes. So um, why? I mean, it's it's really interesting to know that you think you did get a reader and a reviewer. Um, from yeah. from having a TV tropes entry, but what is TV tropes? And um, I mean, I know what TV tropes is, but I haven't been on there for a long time. And I think uh, some of our um, listeners may may not know what it is. So, what is TV tropes? And okay, uh, yeah. why is it worth creating your own page on? Okay, it's basically it. It would be a bit unfair to describe it. it it would be a bit unfair to describe it as a Wikipedia, as an online Wikipedia of 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 media cliches. And that's a little bit harsh because, as has been pointed out, tropes themselves are a are a building block of stories. You know, not all of them are cliches. Mm. But they, it's almost a, it's a it's an attempt to try and make a complete compendium of story conventions as they appear in books, movies, or what have you. Apparently, it actually started life very much uh, within the within the Buffy the Vampire Slayer fandom when they were trying to basically identify all the various um, literary you know story conventions that operated within Buffy, and then they figured they could do this to other stories as well. So you know, it's it's become one of one of the most addictive pages on the internet because you know pretty much you know you know the, you know there is a vast amount of uh, of stuff out there you know on you know. All sorts, of, all sorts of different stories and characters and uh, and films and what have you. And yeah, as I said, it's 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 the use it's a useful thing for writers as well. You know, just to familiarise yourself with what what has been done. Mm, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. So next, do you think now you've heard from Daniel, you're going to go there and create your own account and start putting sticking oh, your books on there tonight? Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. <laughs> Um, mostly because I also write uh, science fiction romance and a lot of the romance readers are avid readers and they use TV tropes to find that kind of niche romance books and stories that they like. So yeah. I know a lot of uh, the people that read my type of books will actually go on there. So I was cool. kind of jealous thinking, oh, how do I do this? <laughs> Great. Yeah. yeah. So the, the other question I had as a follow-up question was the Society of Creative Anachronism. So is yeah. that where you dress up in medieval clothing and go around yeah. wearing cover with big metal, blunt metal swords? Uh, not, not, not metal, you see. There's an interesting story about the SCA. It actually started life as a, as a garden party at the University of Berkeley back in the 1960s. And everybody had so much fun that they decided to keep it going. And it's become a worldwide thing. Um, it tends to be bigger outside Europe because within Europe they tend to be a lot more focused uh, focused on the uh, focused on particular times and periods because obviously that you know uh, that that you know they 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 were medieval Europe whereas we, we are not so with, with in, in the case of New Zealand Australia Canada America you know we're you know we're, we're you know we're, we're sort of having a bit of sort of having a bit of fun with, with medieval Europe so but um, due to due to regulations we don't we, uh, the the SCA does not use steel weapons um, this is basically because, um, again, because it started life in America, and American and the American copyrights, Amer 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 sorry, American um, safety 
laws. Basically means that um, basically means that um, yeah, we 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 have, it, it sticks a bit. It sticks a bamboo called rattan. Um, oh, okay. Whereas so if you had guns, <laughs> you'd be fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So so, so um, basically, if the FDA had started life in had started life in New Zealand because we have ATC, we would very likely be having spear weapons, but we don't. So <laughs> the so that said though, rattan weapons are they're the same weight as the real thing. And many of the tactics. There are a couple of peculiar to the FDA fighting tactics, like the rap, where you actually just come in close and uh, hit them on the back of the head. That did not happen in period, um, but basically are simply a function of dealing with return weapons. Because you know, right. uh, as I said, it, uh, I mean, I I, pers I personally don't don't do heavy fighting if it's called simpler. Basically, because getting the armor together is quite expensive, and mm. my head's too big. My head's too big for any of the spear helmet. <laughs> my, my own my own specialty for for the SBA is actually period poetry. Um, oh which, wow! Um, and uh, so, for instance, you know, um, especially Norse, especially writing writing uh, writing poetry in the Norse style. And in fact, you actually see an example of that in Wise Full, where the Grand Chancellor Verelovic during the during the banquet, he actually recites recites a poem, and that poem is it's written it's written in the in the style of the style of the more Strokovic poetry, which um, you know in, in English, and so yeah, so that, that that's that's my interpretive form. Somewhat interestingly, I know of only one other author, fantasy author, who's ever attempted to try and do that in a fantasy novel, and that was um, Paul Anderson's Broken Sword from not not the 1950s. So yeah, oh, so, so yeah, an attempt to try and incorporate Norse, the Norse Drakovat into into an actual novel. Oh, okay, that's it's in, it's interesting to me that there seems to be um, sort of fantasy and sci-fi writers and fans seem to be overrepresented. Um, you could say in in quite a lot of these kind of pursuits. Yeah, and it's it's quite interesting to think about the impact it probably has on on quite a lot of our material that we read um, and watch as well. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think there's, there's, there's quite a few notable fantasy authors because I said the FDA has been going since the 1960s, so um, uh, um, so obviously it has had there is a significant overlap. From what I understand, because I said I only joined in 2006, back back when it first started, there was you know while it obviously has developed very much into the history side of things, so so basically you know think you know. You know, names and what have you have to be documented by actual period evidence. Um, so, so basically, if 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 you if, if you if you're adopting a if you're adopting a persona name as it's called, um, then basically, yeah, you actually have you actually have to get you have to get a re, you know a real name. You just can't you just can't sort of make one up. Um, back in the 60s, 70s, and I think the first half of the 80s, um, there, there was there was an awful lot of overlap between between that and Basically, fantasy cosplayers. So you had a so you had a lot of you know of half elves running around, which you don't you don't <laughs> have anymore. As we joke, it is perfectly okay to be a half elf in the FCA as long as you can provide three bits of documentation to prove that half elves existed in period. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you never know, do you? There's fossil records and things like that lost in time. Yeah. Me stop. Yes. <laughs> If you've got to, um, if you've got to use a real person, yes. What happens? Can people call dibs on somebody 
or is everyone going around being um, Prince John kind of thing? Uh, no, no. The thing is, you 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 can use a period. You got to use a period name, so uh, so yeah. first name and then a by name. Um, you, you 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 can't actually be a particular person. So oh, you, okay. So so you you've just you've just got to you've got to use that, however, as a name that was used. Okay, in the I see. Rather than saying that you know I'm going to, you know I'm cosplaying Richard the Third or something. The yeah. other the other oh, thing okay. to see is that um the, is that the, the the SCA has its own has its own form of titles. Um, right. So basically, so basically, you 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 can't call yourself sir because you actually have to be a, you actually have to be a a knight who has been trained up. You can't call yourself king because you actually need you you know you, or queen because you actually need to win a win the crown tawny and what have you. So there's there's all sorts of internal regulations you know about what you can and can call your can and can't call yourself. Right. And there's actually an entire, there's what's called the College of Heralds, which, and the, the College of Heralds is notoriously anal retentive. It's, it's, famous, it's famous like this. I'll, I'll, I'll explain more of it later. Um, but basically, they're the, they're the ones who basically approve, uh, they're the ones who register your name and they right. are in heraldry and what have you. And, and they're, they're, they're the ones who check to make sure it's, um, that you know that, that, that every, 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 everything's legitimate. Yeah. Um. As I said, so I, I said I've 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 got I've got an award of arms from the SCA, so that, that entitles that entitles me to have a coat of arms within the uh, within the society. Um. I have actually. Well yeah. Thank you. I have actually. Uh, it, and there's a, 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 you can actually see it yourself on my on my blog. There's the SCA page. So have a look. Know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, ha I have a working I have, I have a working knowledge of heraldry. SCA heraldry is a little bit more simplified than real life, and that and, right. and, that, and that's for good reason. Real real life heraldry is ridiculously complicated. Yeah, um, I have a I have a cousin who, um, or uh, might be my cousin's dad, got got a coat of arms recently for their family. Oh yes, but. Uh, as I was going to say, um, the because uh, yeah, there, there, there is real life heraldry, but as I said, you know, the SCA is a the the, the, the SCA is sort of a, its own internal facsimile of that. Um, just to illustrate how anal retentive they can actually be, um, basically, I was using a book a, a book by by Arthur Fox Davies. It was written in 1910, and basically, it is the complete compendium of of real of real life British heraldry, you know, mm -hmm. it, you know, if it's not in this book, it's not worth reading. Um, it, the thing is, it's written in 1910, so it's hilariously dated. For instance, he talks about the German and, the, and Russian imperial families in the present tense, <laughs> so it's delightfully dated like that. But yeah. on my device, I have a pair of lynxes. Now, according to Fox Davies, and I borrowed the image from his book, the lynx is always blazoned or described as cowardly, which means tail between its legs. Right. So I sent this image off to the College of Heralds, and they, they, they said, no, this lynx is not heraldry, it's not, this lynx is not cowardly, because the tail is insufficiently between the legs. You may have noticed that uh, interview with Daniel Stride there, 
ended slightly abruptly. Um, we can only apologise for that. Um, this was actually the first episode of the podcast that we recorded, and we were still getting to grips with the material. So um, that's why that, that happened. It was probably my fault, slightly over-enthusiastic with the stop recording button. But uh, rest assured, we did thank Daniel for his contribution. Um, and obviously, as mentioned throughout the podcast, you can find more information by looking at our show notes. Okay, thanks.